Section 22 of the Norwegian Fairy Book by Clara Strobe, translated by Frederick Herman Martins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Paul Harvey. East of the Sun and West of the Moon. Once upon a time, there was a poor tenant farmer who had a number of children whom he could feed but poorly and had to clothe in the scantiest way. They were all handsome, but the most beautiful after all was the youngest daughter, for she was beautiful beyond all telling. Now it happened that one Thursday evening late in the fall, there was a terrible storm raging outside. It was pitch dark and it rained and stormed so that the house shook in every joint. The whole family sat around the hearth and each was busy with some work or other. Suddenly, there were three loud knocks on the window pane. The man went out to see who was there, and when he stepped outside, there stood a great white bear. Good evening, said the white bear. Good evening, returned the man. If you'll give me your youngest daughter, I will make you just as rich as now you are poor, said the bear. The man was not ill-pleased that he was to become so rich. Yet he did think that first he ought to speak to his daughter about it. So he went in again and said that there was a white bear outside who had promised to make him just as rich as he was poor now, if he could only have the youngest daughter for his bride. But the girl said no and would not hear of it. Then the man went back to the bear again, and they both agreed that the white bear should return again the following Thursday and get his answer. In the meantime, however, the parents worked upon their daughter and talked at length about all the riches they would gain and how well she herself would fare. So at last she agreed, washed and mended the few poor clothes she had, adorned herself as well as she could, and made ready to travel. And what she was given to take along with her is not worth mentioning either. The following Thursday, the white bear came to fetch his bride. The girl seated herself on his back with her bundle, and then he trotted off. After they had gone a good way, the white bear asked, Are you afraid? No, not at all, she answered. Just keep a tight hold on my fur, and then you will be in no danger, said the bear. So she rode on the bear's back, far, far away, until at last they came to a great rock. There the bear knocked, and at once a door opened through which they entered a great castle, with many brilliantly lighted rooms, where everything gleamed with gold and silver. Then they came into a great hall, and there stood a table completely covered with the most splendid dishes. Here the white bear gave the maiden a silver bell, and said that if there were anything she wanted, she need only ring the bell and she should have it at once. And after the maiden had eaten, and evening came on, she felt like lying down and going to sleep. So she rang her bell, and at its very first peal, she found herself transported to a room in which she stood the most beautiful bed one might wish to have, with silken cushions and curtains with gold tassels, and all that was in the room was of gold and silver. Yet when she had lain down and put out the light, she saw a man come in and cast himself down in a corner. It was the white bear 
who was allowed to throw off his fur at night. Yet the maiden never actually saw him, for he never came until she had put out the light, and before dawn brightened, he had disappeared again. For a time, all went well, but gradually the maiden grew sad and silent, for she had not a soul to keep her company the live-long day, and she felt very homesick for her parents and sisters. When the white bear asked her what troubled her, she told him she was always alone and that she wanted so very much to see her parents and sisters again and felt very sad because she could not do so. Oh, that can be managed, said the white bear. But first you must promise me that you will never speak to your mother alone, but only when others are present. Very likely she will take you by the hand and want to lead you into her room so that she can speak to you alone. But this you must not allow, otherwise you will make us both unhappy. And then, one Sunday, the white bear actually came and told her that now she might make the trip to her parents. So she seated herself on the bear's back, and the bear set out. After they had gone a very long distance, they at length came to a fine, large, white house, before which her brothers and sisters were running about and playing, and all was so rich and splendid that it was a real pleasure merely to look at it. This is where your parents live, said the white bear. Only do not forget what I told you, or you will make us both unhappy. Heaven forbid that she should forget it, said the maiden. And when she had come to the house, she got down, and the bear turned back. When the daughter entered her parents' home, they were more than happy. They told her that they could not thank her enough for what she had done, and that now all of them were doing splendidly. Then they asked her how she herself fared. The maiden answered that all was well with her also, and that she had all that heart could desire. I do not know exactly all the other things she told them. But I do believe she told them every last thing there was to tell. So in the afternoon, when the family had eaten dinner, it happened as the white bear had foretold. The mother wanted to talk to her daughter alone in a room. But she thought of what the white bear had told her and did not want to go with her mother, but said, All we have to say to each other can just as well be said here. Yet she herself did not know exactly how it happened. Her mother finally did persuade her, and then she had to tell just how things were. So she informed her that as soon as she put out the light at night, a man came and cast himself down in the corner of the room. She had never yet seen him, for he always went away before the dawn brightened, and this grieved her, for she did want to see him so very much, and she was alone through the day and it was very dreary and lonely. Alas, perhaps he is a troll after all, said the mother, but I can give you some good advice as to how you can see him. Here is a candle end, which you must hide under your wimple. When the troll is sleeping, light the light and look at him, but be careful not to let a drop of tallow fall on him. The daughter took the candle end and hid it in her wimple, and in the evening the white bear came to fetch her. 
After they had gone away, the white bear asked whether everything had not happened just as he had said. Yes, such had been the case, and the maiden could not deny it. If you have listened to your mother's advice, then you will make us both unhappy, and all will be over between us, said the bear. Oh, no, she had not done so, replied the maiden. Indeed, she had not. When they reached home, and the maiden had gone to bed, all went as usual. A man came in and cast himself down in a corner of the room. But in the night, when she heard him sleeping soundly, she stood up and lighted the candle. She threw the light on him and saw the handsomest prince one might wish to see. And she liked him so exceedingly well that she thought she would be unable to keep on living if she could not kiss him that very minute. She did so, but by mistake she let three hot drops of tallow fall on him, and he awoke. Alas, what have you done? cried he. Now you have made both of us unhappy. If you had only held out until the end of the year, I would have been delivered. I have a stepmother who has cast a spell on me, so that by day I am a bear, and at night a human being. But now all is over between us, and I must return to my stepmother. She lives in a castle that is east of the sun and west of the moon, where there is a princess with a nose three yards long whom I must now marry. The maiden wept and wailed but to no avail, for the prince said he must journey away. Then she asked him whether she might not go with him. No, said he, that could not be. But can you not at least tell me the road so that I can search for you? For surely that will be permitted me. Yes, that you may do, said he. But there is no road that leads there. The castle lies east of the sun and west of the moon, and neither now nor at any other time will you find the road to it. When the maiden awoke the next morning, the prince, as well as the castle, had disappeared. She lay in a green opening in the midst of a thick, dark wood, and beside her lay the bundle of poor belongings she had brought from home. And when she had rubbed the sleep out of her eyes and had cried her fill, she set out and wandered many, many days, until at last she came to a great hill. And before the hill sat an old woman, who was playing with the golden apple. The maiden asked the woman whether she did not know which road led to the prince who lived in the castle that was east of the sun and west of the moon, and who was to marry a princess with a nose three yards long. How do you come to know him? asked the woman. Are you perhaps the maiden he wanted to marry? Yes, I am that maiden, she replied. So you are that girl, said the woman. Well, my child, I am sorry to say that all I know of him is that he lives in the castle that is east of the sun and west of the moon, and that you will probably never get there. But I will loan you my horse, on which you may ride to my neighbor, and perhaps she can tell you. And when you get there, just give the horse a blow back of his left ear and order him to go home. And here, take this golden apple along.
The maiden mounted the horse and rode a long, long time. At length she again came to a hill, before which sat an old woman with the golden reel. The maiden asked whether she could not tell her the road which led to the castle that laid east of the sun and west of the moon. This woman said just what the other had. No, she knew no more of the castle than that it lay east of the sun and west of the moon. And, said she, you will probably never get there, but I will loan you my horse to ride to the nearest neighbor. Perhaps she can tell you. And when you have reached her, just give the horse a blow back of his left ear and order him to go home again. And finally she gave the maiden the golden reel, for, said the old woman, it might be useful to her. The maiden then mounted the horse and again rode a long, long time. At length she once more came to a great hill, before which sat an old woman spinning at a golden spindle. Then the maiden once more asked after the prince and the castle that lay east of the sun and west of the moon and everything happened exactly as on the two previous occasions. Do you happen to be the maiden the prince wanted to marry? asked the old woman. Yes, I am that maiden, answered the maiden. But this old woman knew no more about the road than the two others. Yes, the castle lies east of the sun and west of the moon, that I know, said she and you will probably never get there, but I will loan you my horse, and you may ride on it to the east wind and ask him. Perhaps he is acquainted there and can blow you thither, and when you reach him, just give my horse a blow back of the left ear, and then he will return here of his own accord. Finally, the old woman gave her her golden spindle. Perhaps it may be useful to you, said she. The maiden now rode for many days and weeks, and it took a long, long time before she came to the east wind. But at last she did find him, and then she asked the east wind whether he could show her the road that led to the prince who lived in the castle that was east of the sun and west of the moon. Oh, yes, he had heard tell of the prince, and of the castle as well, said the east wind. But he did not know the road that led to it, for he had never blown so far. But if you wish, I will take you to my brother, the west wind, and perhaps he can tell you, for he is much stronger than I am. Just sit down on my back, and I will carry you to him. The maiden did as he told her, and then they moved swiftly away. When they came to the west wind, the east wind said that here, he was bringing the maiden, whom the prince who lived in the castle that laid east of the sun and west of the moon had wanted to marry, that she was journeying on her way to him and looking for him everywhere, and that he had accompanied her in order to find out whether the west wind knew where this castle might be. No, said the west wind to the maiden, I have never blown so far, but if you wish... I will take you to the south wind, who is much stronger than both of us, and has traveled far and wide, and perhaps he can tell you. Seat yourself on my back, and I will carry you to him. 
The maiden did so, and then they flew quickly off to the south wind. When they found him, the west wind asked whether the south wind could show them the road that led to the castle that lay east of the sun and west of the moon, and that this was the maiden who was to have the prince. Well, well, so this is the girl, cried the south wind. Yes, it is true that I have gone about a good deal during my life, said he, yet I have never blown so far. But if you wish, I will take you to my brother, the north wind. He is the oldest and the strongest of us all. If he does not know where the castle lies, then no one in the whole world can tell you. Seat yourself on my back, and I will carry you to him. The maiden seated herself on the back of the south wind, and he flew away with a roar and a rush. The journey did not take long. When they had reached the dwelling of the north wind, the latter was so wild and unmannerly that he blew a cold blast at them while they were still a good way off. What do you want? cried he, as soon as he caught sight of them, so that a cold shiver ran down their backs. You should not greet us so rudely, said the south wind. It is I, the south wind, and this is the maiden who wanted to marry the prince who lives in the castle that lies east of the sun and west of the moon. She wishes to ask you whether you have ever been there, and if you can show her the road that leads to it, for she would like to find the prince again. Oh, yes, I know very well where the castle lies, said the north wind. I blew an aspen leaf there just once, and then I was so weary that I could not blow at all for many a long day. But if you want to get there above all things and are not afraid of me, I will take you on my back and see whether I can blow you there. The maiden said that she must and would get to the castle if it were by any means possible and that she was not afraid no matter how hard the journey might be. Very well, then you must stay here overnight, said the north wind. For if we are to get there tomorrow, we must have the whole day before us. Early the next morning, the north wind awakened the maiden. Then he blew himself up and made himself so large and thick that he was quite horrible to look at. And thereupon they rushed along through the air as though they meant to reach the end of the world at once. And everywhere beneath them raged such a storm that forests were pulled out by the roots and houses torn down. And as they rushed across the sea, ships foundered by the hundreds. Further and further they went, so far that no one could even imagine it. And still they were flying across the sea, but gradually the north wind grew weary and became weaker and weaker. Finally, he could hardly keep going and sank lower and lower, and at last he flew so low that the waves washed his ankles. Are you afraid? asked the north wind. No, not at all, answered the maiden. By now they were not far distant from the land, and the north wind had just enough strength left 
to be able to set down the maiden on the strand beneath the windows of the castle that lay east of the sun and west of the moon. And then he was so wearied and wretched that he had to rest many a long day before he could set out for home again. The next morning the maiden seated herself beneath the windows of the castle and played with the golden apple, and the first person who showed herself was the monster with the nose whom the prince was to marry. What do you want for your golden apple? asked the princess with the nose as she opened the window. I will not sell it at all, either for gold or for money, answered the maiden. Well, what do you want for it, if you will not sell it either for gold or for money? asked the princess. Ask what you will. I only want to speak tonight to the prince who lives here, then I will give you the apple, said the maiden who had come with the north wind. The princess replied that this could be arranged, and then she received the golden apple. But when the maiden came into the prince's room in the evening, he was sleeping soundly. She called and shook him, wept and wailed, but she could not wake him. And in the morning, as soon as it dawned, the princess with the long nose came and drove her out. That day the maiden again sat beneath the windows of the castle and wound her golden reel, and all went as on the preceding day. The princess asked what she wanted for the reel, and the maiden answered that she would sell it neither for gold nor for money. But if she might speak that night to the prince, then she would give the reel to the princess. Yet when the maiden came to the prince, he was again fast asleep, and no matter how much she wept and wailed and cried and shook, she could not wake him. But as soon as day dawned and it grew bright, the princess with the long nose came and drove her out. And that day the maiden again seated herself beneath the windows of the castle and spun with her golden spindle. And of course, the princess with the long nose wanted to have that too. She opened the window and asked what she wanted for the golden spindle. The maiden replied, as she had twice before, that she would sell the spindle neither for gold nor money, but that the princess could have it if she might speak to the prince again that night. Yes, that she was welcome to do, said the princess, and took the golden spindle. Now it happened that some Christians who were captives in the castle and quartered in a room beside that of the prince had heard a woman weeping and wailing pitifully in the prince's room for the past two nights. So they told the prince, and that evening when the princess came to him with his nightcap, the prince pretended to drink it, but instead poured it out behind his back, for he could well imagine that she had put a sleeping powder into the cup. Then when the maiden came in, the prince was awake, and she had to tell him just how she had found the castle. You have come just in the nick of time, said he, for tomorrow I am to marry the princess, but I do not want the monster with the nose at all, and you are the only person who can save me. I will say that first I wish to see whether my bride is a capable housewife, and demand that she wash the three drops of tallow from my shirt. She will naturally agree to do this. 
for she does not know that you made the spots. For only Christian hands can wash them out again, but not the hands of this pack of trolls. Then I will say, I will marry none other than the maiden who can wash out the spots, and ask you to do so, said the prince. And then both rejoiced and were happy beyond measure. But on the following day, when the wedding was to take place, the prince said, First, I would like to see what my bride can do. Yes, that was no more than right, said his mother-in-law. I have a very handsome shirt, continued the prince, which I would like to wear at the wedding, but there are three tallow spots on it, and they must first be washed out. And I have made a vow to marry none other than the woman who can do this. So if my bride cannot manage to do it, then she is worthless. Well, that would not be much of a task, said the woman, and agreed to the proposal. And the princess, with the long nose, at once began to wash. She washed with all her might and main, and took the greatest pains, but the longer she washed and rubbed, the larger grew the spots. Oh, you don't know how to wash, said her mother, the old troll wife. Just give it to me. But no sooner had she taken the shirt in her hand than it began to look worse, and the more she washed and rubbed, the larger and blacker grew the spots. Then the other troll women had to come and wash, but the longer they washed the shirt, the uglier it grew, and finally it looked as though it had been hanging in the smokestack. Why, all of you are worthless, said the prince. Outside the window sits a beggar girl. I'm sure she is a better washerwoman than all of you put together. You girl, come in here, he cried out the window. And when the maiden came in, he said, Do you think you can wash this shirt clean for me? I do not know, answered the maiden, but I will try. And no more had she dipped the shirt in the water than it turned as white as newly fallen snow, yes, even whiter. Indeed, and you are the one I want, said the prince. Then the old troll woman grew so angry that she burst in two, and the princess with the long nose and the rest of the troll pack probably burst in two as well, for I never heard anything more of them. The prince and his bride then freed all the Christians who had been kept captive in the castle and packed up as much gold and silver as they could possibly take with them, and went far away from the castle that lies east of the sun and west of the moon. End of section 22. Recording by Paul Harvey.